to Better Together as One. I'm Margaret Wallace Duffy, and I'm thrilled to be alongside my two amazing co-hosts, Todd Miller and Claire Gavin. How are you guys? Excellent. Good Hello. morning. Good morning. Good morning. So I am so excited today because you know our mission on this show is to educate and empower and inspire. And we love to bring change makers to the table. And today, boy, oh boy, put on your seatbelt because this story is not just inspiring, but the work that this man is doing, Claire, you were the one that was brought him to our show and the work that he's doing to change the lives of youth. He believes in giving youth multiple chances because that's a reflection of his own story. And I got to tell you, uh, we are really honored to have him today. So why don't you uh, introduce him, Claire, seeing as you we're the lucky one to find this beautiful man. Yes, for sure. Well, I'm super excited as well. The lovely man's name is Frederick Dryden, first of all. And it's sort of, it's a cute story because my mom, and I had told this to Frederick, my mom had been at one of her probus meetings, and this was several months ago. And she called me after the meeting and she said, Claire, you know, we just had this really lovely speaker and I think you'd find his story really inspiring because she knows I love and wonderful, inspiring stories. So, and she gave me his book and my book sat beside my bed for quite some time because I read lots of things. And then, you know, as the show came to be and we've been filming and then it was surfaced again and I started to read Frederick's, Frederick's book. And it was this beautiful story of this young man from Montego Bay who, you know, lived, he was one of seven children. And it was just this incredible story of surviving poverty and bullying and abuse and all these things. And then coming to Ontario at, I think, age 11, if I remember correctly, to be with his father. And then his journey since then. Um, and so I am excited to have him as I reached out and, and we've had a, a little conversation on the side but Frederick, we would just love for you to really just sort of talk to us about the journey and where you are today, because what you're doing today is so incredibly empowering, which is obviously in lines perfectly with our, our show itself with the youth, but sort of, you know, take us back sort of in a little synapse of sort of where it all began for you once upon a time. Oh, well, it's an honor to be on your show. Thank you. You have an amazing team and I really love what you do. Uh, I guess, yeah, you've read my book. I'll pick up from there, uh, my book, Running for Their Lives. I'm the youngest, again, of, uh, you know, seven siblings. And um, I grew up in Jamaica. Uh, not, not what you see in the resort. Very tough uh, uh, place, uh, poor community. Um, you know, honestly, you know, for every two people that walk by us, one of them would probably try to rob us. So where we lived, we had to get up very early, sun up, and by sundown, we had to be home. But I was, had a loving family, and my father migrated to Canada with hopes to slowly bring my family to Canada. And when I arrived in 1983, um, I remember leaving Jamaica. I was plus 40 when I left Montego Bay. When I got off the plane in Canada, and we're driving up north past Georgian Bay, it's minus 40. So, <laughs> Welcome to Canada. <laughs> Ironic though, that was a typology of the drastic change that was about to occur. Three months after arriving, the shipyard closed down in Collingwood and my father lost his job. And as a father, he just wanted to help us keep the home, uh, keep us, put food on the table. So the only skill set he, he, he had was to be a truck driver. So 
He hired temporary caregivers and sitters to take care of us while he would drive trucks to Florida, Houston, all over. We wouldn't see him for weeks and sometimes months. And sadly, coming home one day from school, I guess, you know, I want to be appropriate, so I use the right word, but my, my sister was um, sexually abused by multiple individuals. And these were individuals that were paid to take care of us. So my dad wasn't aware. Uh, things happened. Uh, my sister was sent back to Jamaica. My siblings and I were separated. And it, literally, I moved 18 different times. Uh, I moved so many times as a child. I remember walking home and literally, I would walk and stop and turn several different places. I just moved so many times. I didn't know wh which home I was going to. Um, at 13, I was one of the homes I was living, I was uh, being physically abused and the police was called. And when they were called, um, the plan was to take me to a group home. Um, so or, or their plan of care. So I packed my hockey bag and I took off for the streets of Toronto. I got involved in, uh, you know, crime, things I regret. And um, pretty much I made it to grade, grade nine. I was 13, I made it to grade nine that summer, end of summer. And uh, I was so tired and hungry one day, just, you know, sleep in different places. And um, I failed a math test and I thought, you know, I just, I'm tired, I'm hungry. I remember packing my backpack and, and I mentally made that decision to check out, to drop out of school. And while walking down the hallway, my grade nine teacher, Mr. Dodd, I'll never forget him. He quietly walked out and says, hey, Frederick, I know you failed your test, but I see something special in you. If you're willing to show up Tuesdays and Thursday morning, uh, I'll tutor you. You know, I thought, oh, whatever, I'm hungry, I'm tired, who cares about school? And they said, also, I'll bring breakfast. Oh, <laughs> Claire, Claire, the food spoke to me. I showed up just for the food. <laughs> right, Kevin? I would too. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> you know, my grade nine teacher, when I walked into his class, it was the first time, uh, a great Caucasian uh, man, it's the first time I felt a sense of virtue and value for my life. He was the first person that spoke hope into me. And uh, that, that was the first uh, person that started the transformation in my life. As we developed the Liberty Field program, we have three stages. And the first one is engagement. And I pretty, do, I pretty much would do everything my grade nine teacher uh, did to me. We visit youth that are in gangs, uh, drugs, detentions, and their mental health. It doesn't matter. We don't judge them. My grade nine teacher didn't judge me when I was dirty and stink, right? He invited me for breakfast. He helped me. Uh, that's exactly what we do at Liberty for Youth. So when you see those vans going around in Hamilton, we're taking someone, whether from court or to a mental health appointment or someone that's homeless or someone that's just in trouble, or it could just be a regular kid that's that, that from an upscale community, but it may have just made a bad choice or mistake and it just needs some one-on-one. -on -one. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, there what a powerful story and not just of resilience but what I love about what you're sharing Fred Frederick is that someone had an impact on your life and many of us have that but you are now actually using that to inspire and help others which is which is truly amazing we're going to take a break here in a minute but we want to come back and we want to dive in to what that what you are actually doing with Liberty for Youth and and all I, I think I read that you ran from 
how many kilometers from here to... Oh, from Ottawa to Hamilton. <laughs> Ottawa to Hamilton, that's a long way yes. to raise awareness <laughs> and funds to actually help to service your passion and your ability to help you. So stay tuned because you're not going to want to miss this next segment with Frederick. We'll be right back here at Better Together as well. Welcome back to Better Together as One and our wonderful guest, Frederick Dryden from Liberty for Youth joins us the, today. And Frederick, I just wanted to touch, before we went to break, we were talking about engagement. And I just wanted to find out before we move on to encouragement, how, how important is it for youth that you're reaching out to that they know you've walked the walk, that you've been down that path, that you've done those things and you've learned and moved on and that they have power and hope to do the same? And that's a very good question. I think one of the reasons why uh, we have so many youth that reach out to us, um, I think they see my story as uh, it brings that legitimacy. For example, when I go into the detention center and I work with kids, I let them know I myself was on the street. Yes, I, I failed my grade nine courses. I dropped out of school, but I was willing to go back and sit with a teacher that, you know, that pursued me, that engaged in my life. So it's so important that, you know, they see the individual they're working with as real and as real success. So it's, it's a very critical point. And uh, so thanks for my grade nine teacher. As I said, I love Mr. Todd. Uh, he really saw purpose and value in me. And that's exactly what I do now. I pay it forward to these youth. So once we engage in these youth lives, we bring them down to a youth center and we get them there. My grade nine teacher, he fed me. So we give these kids, uh, you know, wings and pizza. Once they've, you know, they've ate some food, they're, they become calmed down. They're willing now to listen. So which move into the second uh, phase of our program in um, encouragement. So uh, while I was living on the streets, I was about 15 to 17. Our group of older guys, uh, you know, took me and some of my friends in and they would take us across the Canadian uh, border to watch, you know, hockey. I love Pittsburgh Penguins. I grew up north, as I told you, up north, uh, you know, uh, college basketball. And we were in uh, Pennsylvania after a game and, you know, they took a shopping and I thought, wow, these guys are so great. All of a sudden, a group of police officers approach us. The next thing I know, we're getting arrested. Very uh, traumatic experience for me. Uh, just feeling the handcuffs on my wrists, I became numb. Hundreds of people were watching us. And now, eventually, when we're brought back to the, the station, um, I thank God for good police officers because um, one of the police officers informed us that we will go to a different uh, component because we're youth. And then they explained to us that they've been watching these guys and what these guys would do when they'll take us across the border, take us to games and buy us Nike shoe. We didn't realize that they were putting uh, illegal drugs or weapon in our backpack. We thought they liked us. They were taking us to watch hockey games. Oh. We didn't know all that stuff. It was over our head, right? So anyways, uh, you know, he, um, he said, Frederick, it seemed like you're a good guy and athlete. And uh, he, he sat me down before he brought me back to the border to put me on a bus to come back to Canada. And he said, when he shared me what he went through as a police officer, my lips dropped. And I realized that, you know, other people have gone through severe things are worse than mine. And he put me on the bus and he shake my hand. He said, Frederick, when you go back to Canada, he goes, use all the bad as a weapon to create change. 
Mm. And that was a long bus ride all the way back to Scarborough. And I had a lot of thinking to do. I'll tell you, when I got back clear, all I did was basketball and books. I, I, I was so, that whole experience shaked me up so much. A year after when I was graduating uh, high school, I went up to receive my certificate and I burst out in tears. No one knew what happened, but I realized that in a 10 minute conversation, that police officer, he revealed my purpose to me. He said, use all the bad, go back, use all the past as a weapon to create change. And that is what I'm doing here in Hamilton. So, you know, when the youth come to Liberty Field, we engage them, they get there. After we've ate some meal, we've helped them with their homework. And then we give them a 10 minute life lesson of encouragement. Pretty much what the police officer did for me, we do it for the youth. And we let them know that don't let your past determine your future. Mm-hmm. Right? You mm-hmm. can become anything, any, any choice, any career that you want. You know, so we just repeat exactly what the police officer to encouragement. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Wow. Very powerful. And it's such a, such beautiful stories for sure. And so with these teens, when they come to your center, uh, and you can explain a little bit more about it there, because the, there's the programs that you've got available there. Um, can anybody come? Like, how do people know about this? Like, how, how, how do they make the, the decision to come? Like, how do they know about this particular program? Yeah, so we have partnership with school boards, Catholic, public. Uh, we're in four youth detention center around Hamilton. Um, so, so much different organization, the court, crown, churches, principal schools. Uh, we partner with so many city kids, Living Rock, Banyan. So what's exciting, though, what I love about Liberty for Youth um, is that peers refer their friends and I want to say to you that that is the most effective or yeah. compelling way. When a, when a teenager say, hey, come to this program, they're helping me to go back to school. Come to this program, they're helping me to get drug counseling. Like, honestly, that is the greatest. For sure. Well, it's, it should be the greatest compliment to you and your team for what you're doing, because I, I completely agree with you. It's important to have those partnerships with the school boards and everyone else, but to have organic referrals from the youth that you're helping speaks volumes clearly to the impact you're having. Frederick, this is, this is such an amazing story. I, I know we've only got one more segment with you and we're clearly gonna have to have you on the show again because um, we just, we're on the edge of the seat listening to your inspiration, your story and how you're using it for good. So stay tuned because we're gonna be back after the break to talk about the last E of the pillars of the Liberty for Youth program. And that's all about empowerment. And certainly better together is one. That is our mission. So we're gonna end with a story about empowerment. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Better Together as One. We're here with Frederick Dryden from Liberty for Youth. And we've been talking about the three pillars of of the programs at this amazing organization. We, We talked about engagement, we talked about encouragement, and now we're gonna talk about empowerment. I know, Frederick, you have really have certain people in your life that have been pivotal to making changes. You've talked about your teacher on numerous occasions. You talked about that, that police officer that gave you the encouragement. 
But there's also a very special person in your life, your beautiful wife, who's your partner in all of this. Can you tell us the story and how she empowered you to be the man you are now and the life that you're leading together and the changes you're making that are so powerful? Well, absolutely. It was really you know, uh, a strange. I was invited by one of my clients. I used to be in the finance uh, industry before and invite me to a youth group. And I went to this uh, youth group and um, just I saw this beautiful lady. <laughs> and I kept on going to this, uh, to this youth group at a small church in Hamilton. And eventually, uh, two years after, I, I proposed to her. Um, I remember going to McMaster's where she worked and I proposed to her and she said, Hey, Frederick, you're a great guy, but if we're going to get married, she says that I know you've been through a lot of abuse and she goes, I would like for you to write a letter of apology or go back and forgive the people that abused you. And, and I remember I said, no way, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. And then, uh, and she said, well, you have to. And I said, are you not going to marry me? And she said, well, you know, Frederick, no, your unforgiveness is not allowing me to marry you. So I thought that doesn't make any sense. And I remember I stormed out and I went home that night and I lie in my bed. I'm like, she is right. I, I need to do this. So I called, I called Tanya up and I said, this is so hard for me. I'm scared. Can you help me write a letter? Can you just pray with me? And she did that and she helped me wrote the letter. And then I organized my, I called my dad and I organized a meeting to go meet that family. And I want to say, you know, I did one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life. I remember that day going to that meeting. I cried uh, going on the Lincoln Alexander. I cried on the 403. I cried in the QEW and I cried on the 401. When I got to that home, I didn't want to go in, but, you know, I knew I had to. When I went in, I met with the family and I read my letter and I shared all the abuse that I experienced and they denied it at first, but you know, as we continue to talk, the truth came out. And um, you know what, I realized two things. I realized that uh, they were also, they had some mental health, they were sexually abused way so many, in so many different capacity that, and I realized that hurting people do two things. They hurt others and they hurt themselves. So, at the end of that meeting, uh, when we hugged and I left, I remember coming out of that home and I literally felt like 500 pounds was lifted off my head. It was, and I felt that my life just became full circle. And uh, I got to drive back to Hamilton, uh, this time in happy tears because I got to get my bride, Tanya. And um, Tanya showed me the third which is empowerment. So now what we do with youth in the Liberty Field program, whenever you come into a program and they've committed a crime, we tell them off the bat, we will help you with legal support. We will help you with every support, but you must tell the truth. It's not about getting a lawyer and you can just get off your charges. If they're willing to do that, then they go through the, the three E's and particularly uh, empowerment. Like my life, they have to go backwards to go forward. So again, they write a uh, um, letter of apology to the victims of harm. Also too, we have what's called a you play program where they, they play the victim and someone else, they can 
as the victim, they realize the cost of breaking into someone's home, affecting their insurance, losing their job. They get to see the other side so they can get the full concept. And when they do that, we also employ them at Liberty for Youth and for re re reconciliation bursary. The money that they earn go directly to pay for the teacher's cell phone they're stolen or the billing that they vandalize. So they, they have to feel the cost. One of the challenges that I see is that 74.5% of adult inmates that are institutionalized for the rest of their life, these are individuals that are gonna spend the rest of their life in prison, obtain their first charge as a teenager. Someone did not tell them the truth. They got off quickly and easily. And when they became 18 or 19 as an adult, it's frightening. And so our goal is to reduce those, those, those reincarceration rate from their teenager but that's what they do to empowerment. And my wife, I tell you, she's an amazing lady. In 2004, when we first uh, started, we started to take youth out of the detention center or off the street. And each year we'll take three youth to live with us. We renovate their basement, make a separate apartment, and they live with us from 2004 till 2012. And then got her own kids and it just, um, we outgrew that and we had to get a, a youth center. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Incredible. Amazing. Wow. So I think a really important part too of this book, this book, by the way, is incredible, um, is you needed funding to uh, obviously go to create what you have today. And um, you took a very bold step and something very brave because I know you were in your 40s. Yes. When you did this. <laughs> um, and I used to run and I'm in my 40s because you and I are the same age and I do not run anymore. <laughs> but um, why don't you share with everyone uh, what that bold move was to well, raise those know, monies? Yeah, money. when we lost funding and I, I remember going to the detention center and saying to the youth that, you know, you know we lost funding and uh, it was hard just not being able to see them. And ironically, uh, it was 2014 where one of the youth, um, when we had to close our center down and one of the youth uh, wanted to reach out to us to do programming, I said, "There's we lost funding. So the center was closed uh, on some nights and that particular youth uh, left and he got stabbed that night. And another youth saw our van and ran up to our van and asked for help, but with funding cuts, we had limited youth that we can serve. And the challenge is that because we work with youth involved in criminal charges, you need to have a, a, a good staffing model to keep the community safe. So I decided I'd, you know, I'd, I'd go to Ottawa with hopes to meet that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And we develop an Ontario-wide SWOT analysis of youth all over Canada, their strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I ran a marathon each day, five speaking engagements, from Ottawa to Hamilton. I was up literally 3.30 doing my first uh, 21 half a marathon from four to six. Then I have to speak at a Rotary Club at seven. Then I'd eat breakfast and run from eight to 9.30, 10K, speak at a school at 10. And then I'd run from 12 to one, 10K, speak at a detention center. Then I'd run from, I think, five to seven, my final 10K and speak at a, a church group. and get home, call my wife in a hotel and fall asleep in 90 seconds. And my driver again is 3.30. I'm like, ah, start all over again. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. And how yeah. much did you raise? How much did Over you raise? Over 
made wow. yeah and what um, we did was that um some of the powerful things happened i was able to um we were able to redistribute some of those money locally because we did a swot analysis so for example when we're in kingston we realized that uh, Kingston, one of their weakness was homelessness and youth unemployment. So we, so the donations we got in each city, we actually gave that money back to deal with issues there. Amazing. And people were impressed because we met with the mayors and police departments a year before to do a SWOT analysis. So they were shocked that we understand the culture of their city. So we didn't want to just grab money for youth in Hamilton because I love youth all over. Wow. Amazing. You know, Frederick, your story has certainly touched our team's lives. And when we share this, it's going to make an impact on so many. We just want to thank you and your wife and your entire team at Liberty for Youth. Thank you for what you're doing. We hope you'll come back on the show and continue to share what you're doing um, because we're better together as one. And you certainly are the epitome of that. No, and I appreciate it. And if I can leave any note, as I said, to any parent or grandparent or anyone out there, uh, I was a very troubled teenager, and at Liberty Feed, as we meet with youth, I always say, when you're working with a teenager, just find the one thing, the one beacon of life, the very one thing, and work from that era of strength. Every teenager deserves second, third, fourth, fifth chances. What a great way to finish the show. Thank you for your inspiration. Thank you for your dedication, and thank you for coming on our show today. You're welcome. Thank you. On behalf of our Better Together as One team and the team at Your TV, we certainly are blessed to do what we do and have guests like we did today. If you like this, please share it with the people that you love. And until next time, be well. <laughs>